Who's ready for Christmas? See how many people's hands aren't up? No, I'm kidding. So, Christmas. Here it comes, here it comes again. Two weeks ago, we talked about darkness. What is the darkest place you've ever been in physically? What is the darkest place you've ever been emotionally, spiritually, economically, grammatically, wherever? What's the lowest place you've ever been? What's the darkest place you've ever been? And then we talk about Jesus coming in and being that light. Well, imagine you were in darkness for 500 years. That's what the Israelites were noticing. 500 years of complete and utter pitch blackness without any way of worshiping God because they're in exile, their temple. They're in exile. They weren't returned. And then there's this man who's in the desert who is in the, looks like Elijah, who is in the Jordan River Valley, which is where Elijah ascended into heaven, and he's saying, proclaim, make straight the path. Proclaim repentance, make straight the path for the Lord. So the Pharisees and Sadducees, they're heading out there last week, right? Last week, the Pharisees and Sadducees are heading out there to see, and Jesus picks up on that today. Why were you going out there? What's that all about? This is the 11th chapter of Matthew. And in the 11th chapter of Matthew, right, we already have John the Baptist baptized Jesus. That already took place. So John was there. Was there when the clouds, when the heavens were torn open and a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. John was there. Yet John's been in prison. We know that John's been in prison because it starts off that way. John could have been in prison since the baptism. He could have been in prison for a year already at this point. And John's anticipatory heart is starting to doubt. He's starting, doubt's not starting to like creep in, but he's saying, did that really happen? You don't have to raise your hand for this one, but has anyone here had a really hard year? Have we lost somebody that we care for? Have we ourselves had something happen to us that really shook us? That maybe, just maybe, a little bit of doubt creeped in. But what does John do with it? John's not afraid of this doubt. He brings it through his disciples to Jesus. He has his disciples go and say, hey, can you go ask Jesus to make sure he is who he says he is? And Jesus essentially says, I'm exactly who I said I am. Because he told John's disciples to say what you see, what you hear, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, dead are risen, death here, sight is regained, the poor have to proclaim the good news to them. Blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. Blessed is the one who's okay with me healing for me being the one that's going to come safe. He's talking about us, but he's also talking about John. 
God's the only one, and that's from the first reading. The first reading is that Isaiah, the vindication of Israel, right? Be, your, be, be strong, fear not. Here is your God. He comes with vindication, with divine recompense. He comes to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be open, the ears of the deaf be cleared, the lame will leap like a stag, then the tongue of the mute will sing. Jesus isn't saying, I am who I say I am because I am. I'm doing exactly what I said I was going to do in the book of Isaiah. I'm fulfilling everything of what was prophesied about me. I am exactly who I am. And then what's so interesting is that Jesus confirms that in doing all these things, but then takes it a step further and says, John is who he says he is. After his disciples left, they, he spoke to the crowds about John. And this is the, why did you go in the desert? Then why did you go out to see, go into the desert? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one to whom it is written, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare the way before you. Why is he greater than the prophet? Because he's the prophet that fulfills every other prophet. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment, but John's, in some sense, the one preparing the way for the fulfillment. He's the last of the prophets, but he's also the one that was going to come to preach this, to prepare the way for the Lord. By Jesus saying, by John saying, and Jesus confirming, yep, I'm the one you baptized. I'm the Christ. I'm the Son of the living God. I'm doing only what God does. I'm confirming my identity. And then he confirms John's identity. And in confirming John's identity, he's again confirming his own identity. Saying, this is the time. This is the place. This is where repentance needs to happen now. The kingdom of God is at hand. I am God. God's been waiting all of time to bring us back into union with him. And this is the moment. This Advent season is the moment. Tonight is the moment. If you're wondering when it is, it's now. And if we think it's going to be a later date, then now is going to happen to us and we're not going to be ready. The now, the end time. Kind of have to look at the end time as we look at Christmas because he's coming as an infant, right? Cute, nice, cuddly, awesome. He's also going to come and heal and save. 
and give mercy. But he's also going to be the judge. And so it's while we're alive to practice our hearts in receiving God's mercy, in confessing my sins so that I can receive God's mercy over and over and over and over and over again so that my heart gets attuned to know how much I need God, how much I need Jesus. And in that transformation, my heart becomes Jesus. My heart becomes who God is forming it and has always wanted it to be. God wants to heal. God wants to walk in harmony in our life. He wants us to be in the garden with him. Death, the ultimate scare for us, is the ultimate doorway for us who believe. Because at death, this is what is possible for those who believe. Those whom the Lord has ransomed will return, entering Zion, singing, Crowned with everlasting joy, they will meet with joy and gladness, and sorrow and mourning will flee. Everlasting joy. Joy without end. Talk about a joyful Sunday. That's what our hearts yearn for. We can't necessarily even know why, but God's placed it there. This everlasting joy, it's not going to end. It's eternity. It's with God himself. We're singing. We're glad. We're joyful. And this mourning and this sorrow flees. Why is the reason why there's sorrow? Why is there the reason for mourning? Death. Sin. They're no more. They're absolutely no more. And they flee. Never to be experienced again. That's why we rejoice today. This evening. Because God, through all of time, has been waiting to come into our lives. All of time been prepping for this moment here and now. And to be present to this moment, I know the craziness that Christmas can bring to our families, the craziness of having guests, the craziness of hospitable, all those different things. But it's in a real sense to be present. And how do we... make ourselves present to say this might be it. It's like when I first got here, right? Remember your death. Only once when you remember your death will you make sense of your life. If this is the last Christmas that we are family, who knows what's going to happen in the next few weeks, the next few days, in the next year. But not to be scared by that to say, how do I live here and now with God's love? And how do I bring that to others?
It's difficult because our emotions get the better of us at some point. And that's where our will, that's what love is, it's an act of the will. It's not an emotion, it's an act of the will. It's where our will overrides our emotions and says, I'm going to love you anyways. One of my favorite stories of Mother Teresa, she was going around and gathering food for the poor, and she went up to this man and said, do you have any food? And the man spat in her face. And she said, That was for me. Now do you have something for the poor? Mother Teresa's heart was so conformed to Jesus's that she had a disregard of what happened to her. And the only concern she had was the poor. Our hearts, that happens slowly, fast, however the Lord brings it about. But the important part is, is to say yes to the process. Like every coach, right? You love the game, you need the practice. You need to love, you need to learn to love the practice in order to love the game more. Today coming for Mass, Gaudate Sunday, Joyful Sunday, we come to celebrate this in joy, that Jesus has come to redeem us, to us, to give us himself in the Eucharist, to give us, give us himself in the church. During this, whatever this season brings, whatever the ups and downs are, let's just ask for the grace to say, centered on Jesus. Cheesy, the reason for this season. Jesus, our Savior and Lord, who knows who he is and knows who we are. We have to accept that and pursue it, and then we share it.